Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Happy Father's Day! Well, I am a dad. I'm a father. This is a very special day. And when I became a father, I developed some superhuman skills. I developed what are called uh, dad reflexes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you see a baby about to fall off a couch, boom, there. About to spill some food, boom, reflexes, instincts. I am a superhero. Anybody know anybody with dad reflexes in this house right now? Just point them out. It's awesome. It's an amazing skill. I want to show you a video of a dad with some amazing reflexes. Let's watch this. Dad reflexes, and because of dad, this situation wasn't so bad. Uh, Look at someone and say that. Because of dad, this wasn't so bad. Yeah, it's a rhyme. It's a rhyme. If you don't like rhymes, you're going to hate this church, okay? (laughs) I just want to warn you. Uh, Last week, our bathroom got caught on fire. There's some huge flames, and uh, it caused a lot of damage. We were in a leadership meeting, Pastor Amritha and I, at our house, and we hear this glass crash. It was because the flames got so hot in her bathroom that they just hit the ground. She went to the bathroom to check it out. What is this crash? And she sees flames, and her mom instincts kicked in. She goes, Theban, that's what she calls me, Theban, Obi, fire. Our son's name is Obi. He was in his bedroom, and he's sleeping, so she wants me to get him. I run, right, to the the bedroom of her son, and he is just sound asleep, Open the door. He's still wrapped in his blanket. For some reason, he insists on sleeping on the floor, even though we have a nice bed for him. But I I pick him up. I don't even get a chance to look at the flames because I'm just concerned about his safety. My dad reflexes. My instincts kicked in. I ran up the hallway and arrested him on the sidewalk that leads to our driveway. He never woke up. (laughs) He's just slept the whole time. And it's crazy how I didn't have to think about it. I didn't even look at the fire. It was just I heard the cry of my wife. I felt the threat of my son. And as a father, my instincts, my reflexes just kicked in, and I went on a rescue plan. This reminds yeah, you can clap for that, Jessica. Thank you. It's okay to celebrate a father on Father's Day. Thank you, Jessica. All right. Thank you. And this story reminds me of what we see in Ephesians chapter 2. We see our heavenly father's instincts, his reflexes kick into this rescue plan. And right now we've been reading through a half a chapter of Ephesians through the whole summer as a church. If you want to join us, we would love for you to do that because it helps us unify as one body. You can find on this website our reading plan, some helpful tools to get you through the scriptures. But in Ephesians 2, we see this rescue plan in this heavenly father instinct. 
Once you were dead, it says, because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So we've all experienced death internally. We've seen people die. But when facing death, the Heavenly Father's instinct is to raise up his children from death to life. Anybody here been raised from death to life by our Heavenly Father. Can we give it up for the Lord? And this is what the scripture is all about because we were dead. Yes, we were moving around, but we were like zombies. Dead, but still moving. Facing the realities of sin. Following our habits of destruction, our addictions. Following the powers of the unseen world. Obeying the whims of the devil. And this might be an odd scripture, and this is one of the reasons we like to just read through the scriptures and not just topics on our heart, because we have to preach and understand what does the scripture say. And this is not very popular in our culture, the idea of sin, the idea of us following our own passionate desires, because we are taught that we can do whatever we want as long as it feels good to us. We are taught to follow our own truth. We are taught as a culture that there's no real such thing as sin. Do whatever you want. But the scripture here is very clear that there are powers of the unseen world, there are darknesses, and that there is sin. Basically, living in disobedience, missing the mark of what God has for us. And there are some contradictions in our culture because while we'll tell individuals, like, there's no such thing as sin, follow your own truth, we live in an age of outrage. Has anybody noticed that? People are angry because they want to call out the wrongs in the world. But when you try to say there's such a thing as sin or individual wrong, we say, no, just do what you want, follow your heart, follow your own truth. And I want to let you know, you can't have outrage if you don't believe in justice. There is no injustice if you don't believe in justice. There is no judgment if you don't believe in a judge. And so when we say, who am I to judge, follow your own truth, we lay down our right to be outraged. I just murdered someone. Well, that's cool. Follow your own truth. I am systematically oppressing this person. Follow your own truth. No, we wouldn't say that because wired inside of every one of us is a longing for a true judge and a true king to bring order to the chaos and destruction of life. But when we talk to people and we say, hey, do you think politicians can sin? Yeah, someone needs to get them in, in control, needs to really bring justice into that situation. Hey, do you think this business person's okay? No, they need to really reform their ways and, and make sure our earth is taken care of and all the systems and economies. We cannot do this. But then when you talk to individuals and you say, hey, I think that person is in sin, you'll, you'll find people say, don't judge that person. Let them do what they want. And those things do not work. And that's why I love what the scripture in Ephesians 2 says, because it lays down this paradigm that many of us have experienced death and destruction. We followed 
the powers of an unseen world. And when we're unwilling to expose real sin and real darkness and missing the mark, we have to wonder as a society, why are there things that are so dark? Why is there so much evil? Why is there so much oppression? How can people act this way? It's not an accident. There are powers in an unseen world. There are addictions and inclinations that are controlling us. And unless we have some sort of guide, unless we have some sort of judge to help us, we are going to fall into death and destruction. Can I get a good amen? And this is what the scripture says. We're following these things. And I I just want to say it this way. If there's no such thing as sin, there's no such thing as an injustice. True justice begins with true judgment. And we believe that Jesus is the true king who brings the best judgment. Amen. We need Jesus. And so as we experience death in our society, as many of us, even today, it's a special happy Father's Day. We're celebrating, but you feel dead on the inside. You feel like a zombie. You've done everything culture has told you to do, and yet you're not satisfied. It's because we long for a true king to rule our hearts. And so, yes, sin is a big deal. And in the church, we like to focus on sin a lot. A lot of times when we're introducing people to the gospel or Christianity, we like to start with the first book of the Bible, and then we go to chapter 3, and we skip over chapters 1 and 2. We say, hey, humankind is messed up. We've sinned. We've all missed the mark of God. We are jacked up. We need a Savior. But the story does not start there. Genesis 1 starts by God. In the beginning, God. God is the initiator. God is the first. God is the uncreated one. And then he creates all sorts of things and he creates humans and he speaks identity over us and he says, this is not just good, but very good. And so our story begins with God creating us and calling us good, saying we have value, saying we were made on purpose, saying we were made in an environment of love. And so while we like to focus on judgment and Sin and missing the mark, God starts the story by breathing worth and life into us. And so I want to focus on what verse says. So this scripture says we were dead and we were uh, slaves to these forces. But then it says, but God, everybody say, but God. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. I love this because it shows me, even in our Christian experience, that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, but to make dead people come alive. This is a story of going from death to life. Sin isn't the biggest issue. It's that sin leads to death, and God created us, breathed life into us, and doesn't want death to overrule the life that he has for us. And so Jesus, he makes dead people alive. And like I said, we like to focus on the sin, but God focuses on the mercy, the love, his lavish appreciation for his creation. And so I want to challenge you, just like in this scripture in Ephesians, I want to Focus on the but. Everybody say, focus on the but. We were dead, but God. We were in sin, but God. Focus on the but. Look at someone and say, focus on the but. And we're spelling this, we're spelling this with one T, you perverts. Okay? Come on. Get your heads out of the gutter. One T. 
We like bucks and cannot lie. Okay? It's just who we are. One T. Everybody say one T. So don't, don't say, Pastor told me to pray to the butt God for better squats. No. One T. One T. We were dead, but God rescued us. His dad instincts, his reflexes kicked in. If you want some alliteration, here it is. We died, but divine dad did the deed of destroying death. I'll preach. All right, let's say that all at the t- same time in the same cadence. We died, but divine dad did the deed of destroying death. One more time. We died, but divine dad did the deed of destroying death. Come on, somebody, give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> Who loves alliteration and loves the God? Anybody? Nobody? <laughs> Not one? Hand. Oh, Becca, did you? <laughs> Thank you, Becca. Thank you. <laughs> one hand. All right. You know, I, I didn't grow up Christian, and I experienced a lot of death. You know, I was a zombie. I was getting in a lot of destructive habits, stealing tens of thousands of dollars of merchandise, uh, selling drugs out of my house, getting arrested. And there's so many times I, I felt the divine hand of the Lord work to rescue me out of a pit that I created for myself. Anybody have that same experience? I, I remember when I was just in these times of darkness and I was in so much trouble. I got arrested this one time and my, my dad and he came, he got me out of jail and he said, uh, you can't live like this anymore and had me move out of this bad situation I was in to live with him rescued from this jail. I remember with my stepdad, I was just in this pattern of not being able to love people who were kind of mean to me, and I, it was just creating a lot of bitterness, and he really dug me out of this pit of really succumbing to the root of bitterness and stepping out of that. I was going in one direction jail, but my dad helped me. I was going in one direction bitterness, but my dad helped me. I remember when I first became a Christian, and my youth pastor saw my fire for leading people to Jesus, but then I was getting entrenched with some of my friends who were leading me away from the gospel, and then on our youth group, the pastor, the youth pastor, he gathered all the leaders in the youth group to meet me after service. And I walked into this room. They're all waiting for me. We've been waiting for you. We want to confront you on some sins we notice. It's like, whoa. <laughs> and they, they love me so much and say, hey, we know you have a great heart or whatever. We know your intentions to serve the Lord. But can we bring some correction here? And I was going in one direction, but they, they helped me. It spoke life into me, and I just see God's hand all over my life that I was going in this pit. I wanted to end my life. I just had this heavy depression. I was making all these decisions. I was falling in step with a culture of destruction, but God. Is that anybody's testimony today? I I was addicted, but God. I was headed towards death and destruction, but God, I was living in total insecurity based on the whims of how people felt about me, but God, I felt like I had no purpose. I was an accident. I was just a mistake. Nobody held me in their mind, but God spoke life and said, you are good. You are very good. And Ephesians 2 begins this rescue story, which is not a a discipline of God. It's his instinct. It's his reflex. It's natural for him. But the story, I'm amazed, does not end there. Because the story could. Because that in itself is worth it all. We were raised from death to life. The story continues in verse 6. It says, for he, yes, he raised us from dead along with Christ. 
and seated us. So he does another step here. He seats us and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So we go from death to life, and then we are seated with Christ. We go from death to life, and then we are seated with Christ. I, I love this. So not only did he raise you from the dead, he doesn't say you have to be like this lowly beggar, peasant that's just barely in the room. He's saying, you can take a seat. I saved a spot for you. I have good things for you. And in this culture, a seat represents authority, like a king on a throne. If you're seated next to a king on a throne, and we know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and the scripture says we are united with Christ and we are seated in heavenly places, that means we have a position of authority and power, and favor, and blessing, and honor. This is all in the scripture. And that pumps me up. Because we don't have to be these lowly peasants before the Lord. We can, as the scripture says, approach the throne of God with boldness. I love that. You know, my, my son, he's rescued from the flames. Remember, he doesn't die in the flame. No dead bod because of this dad bod. And uh, so I, I take him out. I take him on that sidewalk. I lay him on the ground. And like I said earlier, he has some special needs. That's a very dangerous thing. If he wakes up, he could run who knows where. And he can't really communicate. So it's a very scary situation. But I, I left him there on the ground. But Josiah back there, Sai, can you raise your hand? The media director. He saw our son. Remember, this was a leadership meeting. And he, he grabs him from the ground and seats him in heavenly places, as his wife would say, Josiah's lap. <laughs> and so my son, he, he goes from death to life, but then he is picked up and seated in the lap of Josiah. Because he's like, I don't want him to just be on the ground in the ditch on the side. I want to make sure he's comfortable, taken care of. I want to make sure he has the best. Thank you, Josiah. Can we give it up for Josiah? Yeah. And so this whole idea of seated in heavenly places is really, really important for us. So what, what does this practically mean? What does it mean to sit in a heavenly place? Well, I'm not saying every one of us right now is in heaven literally, but as followers of Jesus, we are there legally. It means we have access to every spiritual blessing. Remember, we started in Ephesians 1 by saying that the Lord has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We have access to that because we've been seated in a place of authority. That means we're not lowly beggars. We don't have to be timid. We can be bold. We can make requests, and we can also make demands. We go through things in life. Many of us are experiencing pain right now. Many of us are confused in our prayer life. Why do I pray for this situation, it works out, and I pray for this situation, it doesn't work out, right? And it, it can be kind of confusing. It's because we live in this time between the already and not yet. Yes, there's victory on the cross, but we also still long for Jesus to come back, amen? Yes, there is hope and victory. Yes, he can say it is finished, but he also instructs us to pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because his perfect will is not yet being fully done. And so the Lord's Prayer literally says, pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So as followers of Jesus, we are commanded to pray in a way that brings heaven to earth. We don't have a faith that just says we escape earth and go to heaven. No, we have authority to bring heaven to earth. 
And this is what we do. We make things better. We fight. We advocate for the marginalized, the lost, the depressed, the broken. And we're seated in heavenly places where we can make things happen. And so, yes, the Lord loves hearing your prayers. Yes, the Lord wants to hear all the cares because when we cast our cares on him, he cares for us. But there are times in our life when we need to walk in the authority that Christ died for us to have where instead of speaking to God about our problems, we speak to our problems about God. And we say, hey, health, my God is bigger than this sickness. So I speak to you, be healed. I speak to you, mountain, be moved. I say to you, finances, we're going to line this situation up with the word of God. I am a person of faith. And even though things in the natural don't look like I want them to be, with the authority I have as someone seated with Christ, I speak to this situation. I make a demand on it. And I say, line up with the word of God that says I'm seated with Christ. You know, I, I got married in 2012. Pastor Amritha and I got married in the wheat fields of Kansas. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yes. We get married. We uh, have this castle for our wedding night. It's awesome. But then we had to leave it at 4 a.m. to catch a flight. If you are wedding planning, please try not to plan a flight early the next morning. Very exhausting. All right, Randall and Linda, who are engaged to each other. <laughs> so we wake up, get to the airport. We are like zombies, so tired, eye crusties. It's really intense. We finally get on the plane, and we're just like trying to make it. We can't really ask for lattes or nice blankets because I don't know exactly what it's called. We're not in first class. We're in last class. I don't know what it's called. I feel like the name is changing all, all the time. And so we can't make any demands. We have no authority. But then there's a ding on the announcement speaker. Ding! Would the newlywed Jiva family please make your way to first class? We're like, what? For your father has seated you in first class. We're like, what? My dad was on the flight, and he upgraded us. We were quite literally seated in heavenly places by an earthly father. And so we moved from last class to first class. We're looking at everybody. We got our pinkies up like crazy. We're like, we're first class, y'all. And if you ain't first class, you have no class. <laughs> and so we're seated, and we have authority. We're like, give me a latte. <laughs> we can make demands because we have authority now. Why? Because we've been seated in first class. Give me that nice blanket. Give me a warm towel. I don't know if I'm supposed to wash my hands with it or put it on my face, but I want it. <laughs> seated in heavenly places. In the same way, our heavenly father, yes, he raises us from death to life, but he doesn't just leave us there. He's lifting us up. We have favor. And in this time of already, but not yet, as we long for Jesus, we cannot let that be an excuse to live without faith. Some of us in this room are so afraid to believe for a miracle because we've experienced disappointed in, disappointment in the past. I want to tell you, we need to step into this reality. We need to take our seat and believe for the impossible. We need to take our seat and believe that God loves us and that he has a good plan for us, and that our prayers matter, our stepping out in faith matters, our marriages facing destruction, they can get better. Our children who are going through 
different issues, things can get better. This work, purpose, situation, it can get better. We have been given authority in Christ, and sometimes we need to say to these mountains of darkness and destruction and opposition, be removed in the name of Jesus, the one who I am seated with. Amen. Zacchaeus Church, I want to encourage you. Take your seat. Take your seat. Yes, talk to God about your problems, but don't forget to tell your problems about God. Third thing I want to share is this, that, is that God wants to show you off. In Ephesians 2, it says in verse 6, For ye raised us from the dead with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And here's why. Here's the so. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples. He wants to make an example out of each and every one of us. All future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love this. When you make a mistake, God wants to make an example out of you to show off how one person can be loved. God is making an example out of you. Some of us, we discount ourselves because of the mistakes, because of the sin, because of the death and the destruction. God wants to use that as an example for all future ages to show off, I love this person this much. I raised them from death to life. Yeah, they were once following the whims of the devil, their selfish instincts, but I raised them up and I have now seated them next to me in a heavenly place and I want all ages to see how good it can be. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And this is what the scripture says. God wants to show you off. He wants to make an example out of you. And I love this message on Father's Day because I, I love my daughter and I love showing her off. In fact, I want to show her off right now. Thank you. Thank you. This is my daughter, Nala. Everybody say, ah, uh, or I will fight you. Good. So she is a cutie pie. And she sometimes is known as Baby Moana, and our, our son is sometimes known as Baby Maui. And this girl, she's cute, but she poops her butt. Quote me on that. She's cute, but she cries in the middle of the night. She's cute, but she makes messes with her toys and messes with food in the kitchen. And so do I think less of her? No! I clean that butt, and then I give her a kiss. And I like to show pictures of her because she's my child. She is our masterpiece. We love her so much. Guess what? God loves to show you off too. Yeah, you make mistakes. Yeah, you poop your butt, literally and metaphorically. It happens. But he knew what he was getting into. Don't let your sin discount you. Because God wants to use it as an example of how much 
you can be loved. How much he cares about you. He wants to show you. I remember when I first started having kids, like our son, I posted on Facebook and Instagram. I said, listen up, world. I'm in the new season of life. If you don't want to see pictures of my kids, unfollow me right now. Because it's coming. Because when my friends, they had kids, start posting all the time, I unfollowed them. <laughs> I don't want to see your kids. But if you don't want to see my kids, I will fight you. They're cute. But this is how God loves us. Man, you would never expect me to treat my daughter the way you think God looks at you. You would never think that. Some of you need to receive the adoration of our Heavenly Father. Some of you need to receive that he is proud of you. That you are his masterpiece. The Greek word there is poem. Do you know how hard it is to write a poem? It's not an accident. It's intentional. Every phrase, the rhythm, every stanza, every part of it is on purpose. You are on purpose. It is hard to write a poem, and yet he made you one. And it wasn't like, you know, roses are red, violets are blue, I'm pretty. What happened to you? No. Did I hear a snort? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's good preaching. <laughs> That's good preaching. But yet God says in all of this, going from death to life, raised with Christ, seated in high places, he wants to make an example out of every single part of it. And so we get to be examples for every generation. I think this is such a good message on Father's Day. For you fathers who are like, man, I am such a bad father, God is going to make an example out of you. He's going to use your mistakes for other people's gain. Because people can learn from their own mistakes or the mistakes from others. God can use us as an example of how much grace is possible, how much forgiveness is possible, how much redemption is possible. And that is the story of the gospel. And so today we celebrate our Heavenly Father as he wants to show us off. You know, I mentioned earlier, my, my son, he has some special needs. And we rescued him from that fire. He was seated in the lap of Josiah. But this last week... I want to let you know, he graduated from preschool. Can I get a good amen? He graduated from preschool. And we didn't know if we would ever see that. And the ceremony was a little awkward. There was like four kids doing this weird dance party. They made their own graduation hats with little feathers in it and little gemstones. Horribly done. But I was proud of him. And I, you better believe I posted it on Instagram. I wanted to show him off because he's my masterpiece. He's my poem. We, we love him. And, and, and that graduation was a really, really special moment for us as a family. And God wants to have those moments. He sees the progress you're making. He sees the journey you've been on. And he has more for you. I love that the scripture says he prepared good works for us to do ahead of time. You are not here by accident. You are not a mistake. God, you made, he made you on purpose, for a purpose. And he has such a beautiful plan for each and every one of us. So I want to challenge all of us today. Would you receive the love of our Heavenly Father, the one who wants to take your situation and take you from death to life? You're not too far gone. He wants to not just have you scrap by as a peasant, he wants to seat you next to him in heavenly places. 
He wants you to exercise authority. You can make demands. And then he wants to show you off. Look, that's my son. That's my daughter. Look how much I love them. Look at their progress. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they have a poopy butt right now. But I'm more powerful than any poopy butt. I can clean them up. I can restore them. I can help them. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for making us and giving us purpose and speaking identity into us. Lord, there's so many forces that are trying to steal, kill, and destroy us. Lord, thank you that you've given us protection and boundaries so that we don't fall into death. But even when we do, you raise us up time and time and time and time and time again. Lord, thank you so much for giving us uh, a place where you trust us, a position of authority. Lord, many of us have represented you so poorly, but yet you, you trust us to sit with Christ, united with Christ, and that you're actually proud of us and you want to show us off for the future ages. And Lord, I, I just pray that all the good works you have for us, the way you want to show us off, Lord, I pray that we would live up to the belief you have in us. Yes, Lord, we believe in you, but thank you for believing in us, that we could be an example. We pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.